Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Lance's House of Sports. Don't forget to rate the podcast, share it with a friend, and tune in weekly for weekly podcasts. All right, all right, and we are back, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. Another incredible episode coming your way. This is Lance's House of Sports. Uh, I am your host, Lance Wyatt, and I'm joined by my house member, my brother, Ben Gabriel. Ben, welcome back. Thanks for joining with me. Yeah, thanks like for always. having me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we got a whole lot to talk about, like we always do. The NBA just keeps ramping up more and more as these underwhelming teams continue to have these positive records. Um, the NFL is shaping up as we're past the halfway point throughout the season, and we're starting to look towards uh, the playoff rankings and what we see throughout the rest of the year. And then college football had another huge shakeup this past week as the number one team in the nation went down, Bama once again went down, and Clemson, they went down. A crazy week in college football. And then, of course, of course, we're going to finish today with the MLB and the Houston Astros going over top, winning the World Series in six games. But we'll get more to that later. But first, we're going to start with college football. Ain't that right, Ben? Our favorite. Our favorite. And then before we get into all the hectic there was in college football, you know us, us Columbus natives. We got to start with our hometown boys, and that's the Ohio State Buckeyes. Keeping up with the Buckeyes. Uh, It was another shaky week for Ohio State as it was not a fun one to watch. Um, but Ohio State was able to prevail, and they ended up getting the win on the road against Northwestern 21-7. to um, This was definitely an out-of-the-ordinary game for the Buckeyes. Uh, C.J. Stroud, he was 10 for 26, only 76 yards through the air. Um, but we were able to control that game with consistency on the defensive side and Mayan Williams without a Travion Henderson to duel that backfield. He had 26 carries, 111 yards, and two touchdowns, and it paved the way for Ohio State to keep that undefeated record at 9-0. and So, Ben, now that I get those stats out of the way, uh, Ben Sullivan for Northwestern, the quarterback, he had more total yards than C.J. Stroud did yesterday. He did not um, have more total yards. Uh, if you count rushing, C.J. might have had 10 more yards, but my apologies. Let me fix my <laughs> word. Passing yards. Sullivan had more passing yards than C.J. Stroud on the day. Only 20 total completions between the two teams. Now, obviously, we know that there was a whirlwind within the whole stadium the entire game. It was not perfect weather. As you could see in pregame, when our kicker was – Uh, hitting place kicks he was trying to hit 35 yarders and it'd get to the end zone and it'd fall and dip all the way down before it hit through the through the goal pipes so I don't know what are your first reactions from that game because I know I have a few but I want to hear what you have to say Uh, I'm not reading too much into it I think I don't know why we threw the ball 26 times it was pouring 30 mile an hour winds the whole game we should have been running the whole game haven't said that we couldn't run the ball so that, that was a little concerning. We could not run the ball. We went forward on like back-to-back fourth and ones and couldn't get either of them. It just wasn't It wasn't our day. We woke up tired. It you wasn't a pretty it. game at all. No, when you could tell from the first play of the, from, of, from scrimmage in that game that we did not wake up. It seemed like we still were not awake in that game. And Northwestern was the team that struck first in that game. But, I mean, it's obvious uh, with the new college football playoff rankings out, um, the committee decided to not penalize us with that performance. 
And I honestly think that's the right move because when you watch the performance of playing that game and you look at the eye test from the start of the season to now, you know a game like that isn't going to happen the rest of the season. I mean, we can't depend on nice weather week in and week out, so you got to be able to play through storms like that. But Ohio State's still Ohio State, and I don't think anything's changing even though it was just a mediocre win against a mediocre Northwestern team. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day we're going to – we're going to come out Saturday. We're going to look great at home. I think we're going to have nice weather. And uh, Yeah, I, I think we are. I think I look. We're going to be there? Yeah, we're, yeah. Yeah, we're going to be there. Yeah, we're going to be there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Unless we don't have good weather, then I'm not going. But I mean, if it's windy like it was in uh, outside Chicago last week, then, yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I mean, we haven't, we haven't been to Ohio State game in a few weeks now. They've been on the road the last – couple weeks weeks. yeah i mean they started the season with like six straight home games yeah so i mean we we had to get it go on the road at some point but i just dude i don't even i don't even care about this game i just want to i mean november 26th that's all i'm looking forward to i don't blame you one bit i mean now with the new rankings again tennessee dropped out clemson dropped out bama they're uh just outside the top eight at nine now in the new rankings but there's still a few more games to be played. I don't care. Michigan, they look suspect every single week, just like us. They struggled in the first probably two and a half quarters of that game against Rutgers last week, and then they decided to put it on against them. And I think the same thing would have happened with us against Northwestern if the weather wasn't so shitty. I think we just wanted to get in and get out of that game, go get the victory and move on to next week. Um, we got Indiana next week. I don't see anything special. I don't see a risk of losing a game there. And then we got Maryland leading up to the game against the team up north. Um, I think we're going to be fine. And, you know, it's it's us against the world like always. And, you know, we can write our own script. If we want to make it to the playoffs, we just got to win out. I mean, Michigan's going to be that big test, and that's going to be one we're all looking forward to. Uh, another thing with the uh, Northwestern game no one's really talking about, that win at Penn State the week before, I feel like it took a lot out of those guys because that was their first big win on the road. And then you got to go to Northwestern and play in the rain and the cold and the wind and – No one was looking forward to that. Well, I mean, if they were a little bit of a better team, I could see, like, okay, watch out for that trap game because they're coming off such a big win against the Nittany Lions and Happy Valley. But, but nah, I think that game was just straight up, you know, we woke up, we didn't treat it like another game day, we were lackluster the entire time. And you could see it on on both sides of the field, honestly. Like, our defense is still our defense, so they did their job the majority of the part, but... You know, a team like Northwestern, they shouldn't be able to do a lick of anything, especially in weather like that. But I think Northwestern was ready for the matchup, and they tried to give it their all. And I mean, yeah, they played their best game. It's sad to see that they gave it their all, played a pretty good game, and they only scored seven points in that game. But that, I mean, that's the team they have. Um, Evan Hole, their running back, by the way, he had he had thirty touches, one hundred twenty-two yards, and a touchdown. So it was a running game, and give props to their offensive line. They did a solid job half the time. But yeah, um, for the rest of the season, we we got to pick it back up, get back into shape. we got to lock in these last three weeks for the rest of the season because if we're going in to that Michigan game on the 27th, not playing our best football, I'm telling you, I'm telling you it's going to be a tough game. I think we're better than Michigan by 17, 21 points at least. I really do. 21? I really do. I really do. That's crazy. I, I think really we might do. win by like 10 or 7, but it's going to be a close game. If we, if we can stop the run game in Blake Corum – then they shouldn't be able to do anything against us. They're, You're right. You're I mean, right. That's their only guy. Of That's all they got. That they have. I mean, they've been rocking with McCarthy, but no, he's not good at all. He's terrible. 
Um, let, let's move past the Buckeyes. I mean, we'll see them. We'll see them next week again and again, but it's not going to get crazy until that game against Michigan. Um, Clemson, how about that? I called that one, didn't I? You going did call going, that one. going down against Notre Dame. Um, they lost that one pretty handily, 35-14. to 14. Is Marcus Freeman finally figuring it out for Notre Dame, or is Clemson just not the team we thought they were? Uh, I think DJ Ugalele, however you say his name, is extremely overrated. Yeah. Cade Klubnick should definitely be the starter. I don't Gotta know why they one more year yeah. for that one. They said they're sticking with Ugalele. They say it again and again each week, and I don't understand it, but maybe... I don't get it. Doesn't matter. Season's over now. So. Yeah. Uh, so, no, it's not. Yeah, dude. No, it's not. What? If TCU loses the game and they win the ACC, they're going to be in the playoff. We'll, we'll we'll talk about these rankings and what we think about potential playoff opportunities for these teams, but let's get past the rest of these games. Clemson's overrated. Notre Dame's a sneaky team. Um that was a pretty enjoyable game to watch on my part. I love seeing Clemson get smacked. <laughs> but then one I enjoyed even more was Alabama going down once again at home this season. LSU, 10 team in the country, knocked him off 32-31. to 31. My boy Ben Gabriel on the other side of the table, he called that game. Look at us. We're 2-0 and so far in these college football picks. But how about LSU going into overtime They score a touchdown, a chance to kick the extra point, send it in a double OT, and Brian Kelly says, no, we're ending this game right here. I love that. I love that. What a fucking call. What a call. I mean, that's one that – it's a gutsy one. But when you're going up against a team like that, I mean, I'm all for that, whether you win or lose. you got to end it at some point. I mean – you don't want to keep dragging on a game against Alabama like no, that, especially on not, Yeah, especially not against Nick Saban, that coaching staff, and Bryce Young. You want to end that game when you get the opportunity, and Alabama's defense wasn't getting stops, and they saw the opportunity, and they took it, and Jalen Daniels made a hell of a throw. Yeah, 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 he did. Yeah, he Ended did. the game. And now, and now after that game, it moved LSU up in the rankings to seventh in the country while Bama fall down to nine. Um, this is interesting for the SEC and their particular division because right now LSU, LSU controls their own destiny, and they if they can find a way to win out, beat Arkansas, beat Texas A&M, and the other mediocre team they have, I can't remember exactly. Any chance they can beat a team like Georgia in the in the SEC championship? Because they they are writing their own script like anyone else. If they win out, they can make the playoffs. They can't beat Georgia. They're not quite there yet. I think yeah. that they don't quite have the weapons. And that's the problem with Alabama this year. They don't have that, you know, they don't have those receivers. They don't have Devonta Smith and they don't have that it factor. Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy on the same fucking team anymore. Like mm-hmm. they just they don't have any first round draft pick wide receivers. Their running back's really good. Bryce Young's really good, but their defense is average. Their wide receivers are average, and it's just not enough against some of those guys in the SEC. And I think that LSU has a, not the same issue because this is obviously better than LSU's done in the past years, besides when Joe Burrow was there. But I think that LSU can't beat Georgia because they don't have the weapons. <laughs> I mean, I agree that you say they like don't have the weapons. Um, I mean, I don't know. Last week when we were talking about that LSU-Bama game, I was saying I don't think Malik Neighbors and, uh, and uh, Kayshawn Booty were like good enough to get it done. But, I mean, they – they showed last week that they have the type of skill talent. I'll agree where their weakness is at is the run game. Josh Williams, who it looks like they're main, I mean, he gets most of the touches. Um, he splits with Armani Goodwin too, but um, Williams is the main guy, and it doesn't seem like he's a super um, 
effective runner. Um, he only averages 40 yards a game. But Jaden Daniels, uh, at some point, we got to give credit to this man. I mean, he's just he's six yards shy of 2,000 yards on the year. He's got 14 touchdowns, only one interception. This man plays good football, and you got to give credit to him. Now, he's looked a lot better as the year has gone on. He has. I mean, at the beginning of the year, that did they lose to Florida State or did they beat Florida State? Huh? Did they lose to Florida State that no, first they game? Lost. They lost that game. They lost that game. Since that game, he has made tremendous steps in becoming a better football player. I and would say, I would say, not from their first loss, but from their second loss to Tennessee, because they got spanked by Tennessee. From there on, I think he finally started to flip the tide. Because I didn't really believe in it until they beat Bama last week. But I mean, beat Florida, you beat Ole Miss at home. And then, I mean, a win against Alabama. I mean, that just that just does it in for you. That's exactly what you want to see. Yeah, it's part of the part of the job at LSU. One of your main goals every year is to beat Bama. Yeah. So, Brian Kelly's one and zero against Nick Saban in the SEC. Jalen Daniels got a win. So, props to them. Their season's not over yet. They're still going to have a chance in that conference championship game if they're able to win out, leading to that. Um, but then how about this team? We got a team that's going bowling, and we brought it up early on in, in our careers with this podcast. Kansas, they knocked off 18 in the country, Oklahoma State. They beat them pretty handily, 37-16. to 16, And Kansas is going bowling for the first time, and I don't even know how long. A long time. But we, we talked about this early when we started doing this podcast about a month or so ago. I didn't think Kansas was going to win another game all season. And it was looking like it was heading to the, towards that direction until – you know, they found the matchup that finally looked like it was to their advantage, and they took advantage of it. And hey, I don't know what else to say except that they're going bowling. I mean, their it. season's over, but they're going to have an extra game on the season that they can look forward to. I mean, outside of that, it doesn't really have a huge effect on college football. I mean, it's another loss for Oklahoma State because that loss completely knocked them out of the top 25. Um, their season is over. Don't really have anything else to say about that game. I mean, anything that really impressed you in that game that you want to talk about or you want to move on to this top three matchup? Yeah, we can move on. I mean, top three matchup, nothing else more to say. Number one in the country, Tennessee, traveled to Athens, Georgia uh, to take on the Bulldogs, and they got pounded in that game. They got I mean, they, they just had nothing flowing in that game whatsoever. Hennon Hooker um, and company, they've been dominant on offense all season. It looks like there was no one that was going to be able to stop them. And then – I mean, how about Georgia, though? They just came out and proved everyone wrong. No one knew how good exactly their defense was. Me, personally, I didn't have a whole lot of faith in Stetson Bennett this season. I thought he was kind of on more of the decline than he was the incline. But I don't know. Did you hear about how uh, uh, Stetson Bennett's uh, phone number got leaked the night prior to the game? So yeah. he just kept getting phone calls all damn night. And then after the first touchdown, he was running towards the sideline. Like, he was putting up the call me yeah. sign, exactly what you guys would think it would be. And it was just a start of a tremendous game from the Bulldogs. They dominated that game I mean, start to finish 35 to 13. A majority of those phone calls were for from Tennessee fans. So. Well, I'd imagine. I wouldn't yeah. imagine any That's Bulldog what I fan heard. calling them at th- I wouldn't imagine any Bulldog fan calling them at 3 in the morning to you know, uh wish him luck on his big game tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Georgia's legit. They finally, I mean, they haven't had a crazy matchup up until this point. They get the best or the best ranked team in the nation uh, this coming up week. And, you know, they, they prove their dominance. And it all started with Stetson Bennett, 17 for 25, 257, two tutties. He's tremendous. 
I don't know how his game's going to look in the NFL when he does make it there one day. I don't think he's going to make it there one day. You don't think he's going to make it there? He's like, he's, he might make it there see, as a like, backup. This is an interesting debate. Like, I think he's very similar to like a Jake Fromm. Like He could be a second, third-string quarterback, that's but fair. he's not going to come out and he's got talent, though. win you games for NFL teams. He's not a very big guy. He's not big at all, but he's got the talent, and he's what a lot of these developing quarterbacks have nowadays. You know, He's two-dimensional. He can throw the ball down the field, and he can take off and avoid pressure and you know run for first downs. So it's what you want to see from quarterbacks. As a Buckeye fan, though, you find any worry in Georgia if we potentially run into them later in the season? Because what well, we've been talking about all season, I still have the belief that we're the best team in the nation. And <laughs> I'm going to continue to say that again and again. I don't care what last week's results were. Were I've seen us play 48 minutes every single week, and I know our ups, I know our, I know our downs, and when we play our best football, I don't think there's a team that's better than us. Football is 60 minutes, brother. Huh? Football is 60 minutes. What did I say? 48 NBA fan over oh. here. Sorry, <laughs> I got I got my uh, head wrapped up wrapped up around uh, basketball. We were watching basketball highlights before we uh, came to do this podcast. But yes, yes, you know what I meant. 60 minutes. I watch all 60 minutes of the Buckeyes each and every week. And when we play our best football, I think we're the best team in the nation. I agree with that. But now rolling on to the playoff rankings, uh, we got Georgia at one. We got Ohio State at two. Michigan moves up to three. TCU uh, undefeated team, they move up to four. Uh, Tennessee, they fall back to five. How about Oregon in the Pac-12? They move up to six. And then to round out the top ten, it's LSU, USC, Bama, and Clemson. So with only, what is it, three weeks to go in the regular season for college football, you see anything else getting shaked up out of here? Because there's a lot of football left to be played. We know Ohio State and Michigan are going to match up. We know Georgia is going to match up against somebody in the SEC championship, whether it's LSU, Bama, uh, Ole Miss, whoever it ends up being. So that's going to prove their statements. But you now you look at it like who are these last two teams really going to be in this college football playoff? Because it's a guaranteed, to me, it's a guaranteed SEC team. Even if Georgia loses in the SEC championship, I'm putting the winner of that in the playoffs. I'm put, putting the winner. If a yeah. two-loss winner beats Georgia, you're putting the if winner LSU in over Georgia? If LSU wins out and Ellis, well, that's where the debate, like, do you put both of them in? I think you put both of them in there. I don't think you can put I a two-loss team in there. I think that's where you put, you know, like an LSU at three, and then you put Georgia at four, something like that. Because the Big Ten champion is going to be there. You have to put the SEC champion in there. We're not putting an ACC champion in there because Clemson, no, nah, no. Nah, Clemson's done. They're not getting in there. You think otherwise? I think if they went out, win the ACC championship, they could definitely make it. See, but what makes them deserving of that? Because if they you only look, have one loss, what makes a two-loss dude, SEC if you look team at their, deserving of that? Huh? Because the SEC is way more competitive than the ACC have, is. Way more competitive. You can't get You in. know the top teams in the SEC are 100 times better than the top teams in the ACC. It's Clemson and then what? Like NC State as the next best team? Like that's no, a you joke. Can't, you can't that's put two SEC teams in there and then not put the winner of the Big Ten and then a one loss. Well, you, we are putting you know? the winner of the Big Ten. Okay, but I'm saying if Michigan loses to Iowa State by three points, are you not going to put them in just because they have one loss and so didn't win the Big that, Ten? Okay, there are four spots, though, right now. Put the, the Big Ten champion in. Put the SEC champion in. Who are the two other spots going to? You're giving it to Clemson if they win out? They just lost to Notre Dame. Notre Dame's ranked now. What does that have to do with fucking anything? That matters. They're still 6-3. and three. They're not a great football team. They've won back-to-back ranked games, and they're looking better. 
That's gonna, my point. I'm going to have to disagree and with you And also, there. TCU is going to get in if they went out. So that takes a spot. I think I'll agree with you there because almost... they don't have a conference championship game. So if they win these next three games, which they are favored to do so, then I agree. I agree. I mean, they put them at four for a reason. They'll get in. Yeah. I mean, so, and also I'd put my life savings on Georgia winning the SEC. So I think that that solves our problem. So let's look at your mind then. So you got Georgia. I got Georgia. I got, I got the winner Ohio of the State. Big Ten. Yeah. I have winner of the Big TCU, Ten. TCU. TCU. And then. Who's the fourth team going to? You give it to Clemson. It could you give be it to Clemson a one if they win Michigan. the ACC. You give it to a one loss Tennessee. One loss Oregon. Tennessee and Oregon both lost to Georgia. I think it depends. Pretty handily, It too. depends how the Michigan-Ohio State game turns out. Because if it's a great game, both teams are playing great ball, and Ohio State wins in overtime or, like, on a game-winning field goal, or even the other way around, I think that both those teams could easily get in with Georgia and TCU. See, I don't know. I really think whoever loses that Ohio State-Michigan game, I don't care if it's by three points. I don't think they get in. I think I think with the re- with the resume these teams have had this whole season leading up to that game, I mean, there's just not enough to look at it and say, okay, these teams have proved dominance against good teams because they haven't done it. It's been what Penn State, that's it. Yeah, for Ohio State, I mean, at least like we, you have to win the games like the ones that matter against those top ranked teams. And when you know that's what that's, think- that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like Tennessee and the SEC. Yes, they just lost to Georgia, but they have, what, four or five ranked wins already on the season? Pretty handily, too. Like, they've looked fantastic leading up to this game. But because they had one loss in their division, and now they don't even get the opportunity to make the conference championship game, you're going to keep them out? Yeah. Over Michigan? You just said it yourself. you got to win those big games. Okay. They knew they needed to win that game, and they got fucking killed. They got lost by 22 points. They got fucking killed. You don't understand what I'm saying. You don't I do get what, what you're saying. saying. I'm saying they have great They've resumes. Already, they Tennessee. already beat a ranked Pittsburgh, a ranked Florida, a ranked LSU, yeah, and a ranked Bama, and a ranked Kentucky. That's five ranked teams in the Is SEC. Pittsburgh in the top 25 CFP right now? Okay. I'm saying at the time. Pittsburgh sucks ass. What about Bama? They 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 beat Bama. They Bama dominated Kentucky. Ass. They dominated the Kentucky. you're talking about aren't very good. Like they Bama dominated has two LSU. Losses. They dominated LSU. LSU sucked who, for the who first five weeks to, of the season. Who, what? How are you about to say they sucked the first? They half did. They, they lost to Florida State, LSU's who has like three wins. LSU is going to get a chance wins. to play against Georgia in the conference championship. Florida State has like three wins right now, and they lost. Like LSU was not good the first couple weeks of the season. But they've they're turned, good. They've turned okay. it around. They they beat their ass for a reason. They I think they're better than them. How are you about to say they turned it around? So you think if they matched up right now next week, who you think's who you think wins? Tennessee or LSU? Seriously? I actually really? think... Don't, don't you dare say it. I'd be a close game. Nah. Depends where it's played. I got Tennessee winning that game, and I think they win by double digits. It depends where it's played. Nah. It, it does. They had one... And like people were acting like they, they got both absolutely beat, they both scraped beat Bama by, by They lost by 14 points. They both beat That's Bama a on a game-winning loss. play. I think they, they only gave up 27 points to Georgia. They, they put, only gave up 27 points. What? Of, what? They both beat Bama on a game-winning play. I don't think they're that far apart. They're really not. They both beat Bama at home on a game-winning play. The teams are very similar. Maybe we'll see. I'm going to stop talking about LSU like that because I think they get fucked by Georgia. I agree. I agree. So so you know what? I agree with you because I think if you play that Tennessee-Georgia matchup again and you put Tennessee at home, I think think the outcome's different. I I really do. I don't. I think playing in an atmosphere like that, like they did down in Georgia, I mean, it matters, obviously. You've seen it. Like We talk about it each and every week, how – when we talk about the Buckeyes, when they played against Penn State, like we didn't look great. But, you know, that atmosphere, we haven't played in it all year. 
It's kind of like that for Tennessee. They only lost by 14 points. Like, they only gave up 27. We always said that their problems wasn't on the offensive end, but defense, they couldn't get stops. I don't see why you don't give Tennessee another shot. I think that Tennessee is a little overrated. Obviously, they beat Bama, but I think Bama was a little overrated. Yeah, they are. Because they have two losses. Obviously, they were overrated. And if you're really the number one team in the country, you don't, I don't care where you're playing. You don't lose by 14 points. You I think don't. we see that a whole lot more in college football than you think. You do. There's a lot of there's a lot of parity in college football, but I think that Georgia is the number one team in the country. And I know I know that me and you say that Ohio State's the best, but putting my bias aside, that's fine. I think Georgia is the best team in the country, and I think that they're going to win the SEC. And LSU and Bama both have two losses, and they have no fucking shot. Put Georgia and you put Ohio State aside. I personally think Tennessee is the next best team in the nation. I think they're better than Michigan. I think they're better than TCU. I think they're better than Oregon. And if you want to give a debate for Oregon, then you can leave. Michigan would have <laughs> Michigan. I think they're better. They are better than LSU. I mean, they already have a head-to-head win against them. And then, like, go down the line, they're better than every other team. They're the third best team in the nation. And because they have one single loss, if Tennessee wins out with their mediocre schedule the rest of the year and they dominate in the fashion that they have been all year and they don't make the playoffs, I think that is a pure prime example of why this four-team format is terrible for college football. It's absolutely terrible. I get what you're saying. That's all I have. I get what you're saying. I just don't think that their defense is good enough. To win them big games. Why not? What do you mean, why not? Why not? Because they gave up 52 to Bama. Only like, 27 to Georgia. Georgia's offense isn't that crazy. Like, Georgia wins their games because Georgia's their o- defense. I think Georgia's offense is pretty good. It is pretty good. They have great players on their offense. They have uh, Brock. I forget what his last name is. That might be his last name. They have a kid named Washington. He's a 6'7", 280-pound tight end that plays fucking right tackle and tight end. Like, their offense has guys, but I don't think it's very explosive. I think that when you think of explosive offenses, you think of Tennessee, you think of Ohio State, you think of Alabama, those teams have the explosive offenses that, you know, their quarterback could throw an 80-yard bomb. Tennessee has shown that throughout this season until last week. Yeah, they got swallowed by a good defense. None of the other defenses they have You don't want to see a rematch in that at a, you know, a neutral site? In a playoff game? I'd love to see a rematch, but it's not going to happen. I think, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I, I agree that ten, or excuse me, TCU is well-deserving of making the playoffs. They have not had the easiest schedule, and they just keep on winning. So I'm okay with putting them in. But then after Georgia, the winner of Ohio State-Michigan, and then TCU, there's going to be a fourth team. And I personally think because Michigan, with the inability to play against good teams, like I get it, they can't help that. But – you know, their their best and only win is against Penn State leading up to that game. And even if, let's say we lose to Michigan, I don't think we should get in the playoffs. Let's say we lose by three points. I don't think we should get in the playoffs. No, not at home. We're not we, deserving. We can't lose at home. But it can't be the other way around. Because then how you about to say, oh, but Michigan's on the road, but Tennessee was on the road against Georgia. What about if they were at home, you know? Because you got to put both sides in order in that play. And that's where I think you got to give Tennessee the benefit of the doubt and let them get a rematch in a matchup like that. But it's, it's different because I'm, I'm talking about if Ohio State and Michigan both play good. Tennessee played like shit Saturday. They looked awful. Hendon Hooker looked bad. Their defense looked bad. I don't know. We're going to have to see. I want to move on from this. All right. Because. Yeah, we could talk about it for hours. Yeah. But.
let's move on to the pros. Uh, it was another crazy week in the NFL. Um, some key games that I want to put out to you guys. The New York Jets, they knocked off the Buffalo Bills at home. They won that game 20-17. to The Green Bay Packers, nut, like they just keep on losing. They lost to the Detroit Lions 15-9. to And then, I mean, how about that Dolphins-Bears game? That was a really entertaining one to watch. Uh, the Dolphins beat the Bears 35-32 to in what was probably Justin Fields' best game of not just the season, but of his career. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you saw the uh, the stats from that game completely, but Justin Fields had a QB rushing record in that game. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, he had the most rushing yards of any quarterback ever. It, it in was a game. <laughs> incredibly impressive to see. 15 carries, 178 yards, and a touchdown. Adding on to a 17 for 28 for 123 through the air and three passing touchdowns. So he did most of it on the ground, but. Phew, Man, was he impressive. He just, I mean, he just wasn't able to get it done against a really talented Miami team. But, but the thing that I really want to look at that sparks my eye is what I already brought up. The Jets, they upset the Bills in a big division game and to knock the Bills down to 6-2. and two, um, They're still waiting on a bye week. The Jets and Dolphins, they're at 6-3. and three. That AFC East division is honestly wide open. And as much as I think the Bills are the best team, if not one of the best teams in the league, they got to be careful now if they want to still win this division because another thing that I want to talk about, and I think it's a great debate, are the New York Jets legit? And as much as I hate Zach Wilson, their defense is no joke. And if they can have a good run game with their new running back tandem, I mean, they Garrett Wilson, he's a great ball player. I mean, he's a good receiver you want. Maybe not the perfect wide receiver one you want right now, but they're a growing team and they're winning football games right now. Um, they're two and one in the division while the bills are zero and two in the division. Um, is this something we need to worry about or you think the bills, uh, the bills will be all right. I think they'll end up winning the division. Obviously division wins are your most important wins, but their only two losses are in the division. If they yeah. keep winning outside of the division, they're going to win the division. So these next three weeks, um, they got home against the Vikings, home against the Browns, then they're at Detroit. So they're all winnable games. They're home that, against the Vikings this that, week? That Vikings game is going to be very interesting. That will yes. be. Because um, the Vikings are continuing to win. They're 7-1. and one on the, Is it 7-1 or 8-1? 7-1. and, one? Seven and one. They're 7-1 and one on the season. They just keep winning. And Kirk Cousins, he's evolving right in front of our very eyes. Uh, we see him on the plane on their private jet post-game, dancing shirtless with all the chains on them. They're playing with a groove right now. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's going to be a fun one. I'm not quite on the Kirk Cousins train. I think is he's surrounded by great players, which well, helps yeah. him a lot as well, a veteran yeah. quarterback. I think that the Bills' defense is going to end up swallowing Kirk Cousins. Yeah. I really do. I mean, that's to where, like, the O-line, D-line, stuff like that plays in a part. And, I, I mean, I wasn't saying Kirk Cousins is a special quarterback or anything. He's just – he's no, that – But he is he's winning them system, games. He's, yeah. a, he's a system quarterback that knows how to win football games, and he knows how to get the ball in his yeah. playmaker's hands. I mean, he's a starter in the NFL. He's not yeah. bad. Yeah. No, <laughs> he's been doing it his whole career. He's a, yeah. he's a winner. You've seen it everywhere he's been. Um, not always the most the most pretty, but I mean he's got a great team around him yeah. with Dalvin Cook in the backfield with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen out wide, and they just Hawkinson. they just got yeah. a new tight end from Detroit named T.J. Hawkinson, who's a pretty darn good football player. He's a top five so tight end in the league. They got the pieces that they want on the offensive end, and I wouldn't be surprised if they keep on rolling. I mean the Vikings, they were they did look a little suspect last week against the Commanders. They were able to rally and get that win twenty to seventeen. This will lead me into what. I want to ask next and what we uh, what I ask each week, and that's what are your top five power rankings in the NFL 
as of right now? This is going to be quick, I think. <laughs> I think. I normally struggle with these, but I'm going Eagles, Bills, Chiefs, one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. It's tough after that. I think I'm going to go uh, Cowboys, and then I put the Ravens at five last week, but they're just – they figure out how to win games, but they just don't ever look good. It's so weird. So it is weird because they win games with their dominant run game and then Lamar just making the right reads and the right throws because Lamar is not perfect throwing the football. I mean, if he was a if he was just as good of a thrower as he was a runner, then this would be the best team in football without I mean, a doubt. I don't care. Player. He'd be the best yeah, player ever. He'd be ever. the best player. Yeah, yeah, he would. You're right, You're right about that one. But uh, um, so I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna have to put the Cowboys you, at five. You haven't said the. You didn't say the Vikings. No, nah, you said you said Eagles, Bills, Chiefs. And then you said you put Cowboys at four. I guess. Now who you got at five? Because me, I'll go ahead and say mine. I think I'll have to put the Cowboys at five and then the – or the Vikings at five and the Cowboys at six. At six? Cowboys at six? You don't like that? So who are you putting at four? Ravens? Cowboys. What? (laughs) No. Nah, you're confused. Wait, hold on. My top – Wait. Just – Eagles. Hang on, hang on. Yeah, let me just do it real quick. Back up off the mic. No, I got it. <laughs> Eagles, Bills, Chiefs, Cowboys. Okay, so they are at four. They're at four. Okay. I like the Cowboys a lot this year. And I'm putting the Vikings at five. Okay, that, that's interesting. Because, you know, I'm in the type of dilemma here to where, like, all right, am I believing in this Vikings hype or am I going to keep keep them out of my top five like I have been each week? And I think I'm finally going to put them in there. I mean, I got the Eagles at one. I still got the Bills at two, even, even after that loss to the Jets. I mean, they're the Bills. That's all I got to say. I got the Chiefs at three, sitting at six and two. They're the biggest threat to the Bills in the AFC. And then at four, I'm going to put the Vikings because I think they find ways to get wins. It's not pretty all all 60 minutes. It's not pretty all 60 minutes, but, you know, they know how to win football games, and they're showing that week in and week out. And then at five, I love a lot of those NFC teams, but I'm putting the Ravens at five. And it's because of their defense. I think their defense has really been dominant. All season long, honestly, just the consens- consistency with them being able to get to the quarterback as well as their, you know, secondary play, like, they've been solid. And like, I outside of that, what, that Dolphins game when they gave up that huge comeback? And another stat I want to say, the Ravens have been leading in games more than anyone else this season other than one team, and it's the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. So, yeah, they are sitting here at 6-3. and three. They dominate most games from start to finish. So, I... I believe when it comes to playoff time, I think as of right now, it looks like, I mean, they got a hold of their division right now, a whole half season ago, but I think they're going to end up winning this division. And then if they win the division, most likely than not, they'll have a pretty solid matchup. I got a fun stat for you. What's the fun stat? The Bengals were uh, five and four going into their bye week last year too. Oh, really? Really. Don't make me nervous now. <laughs> I'm shivering in my seat. You are. <laughs> Bengals will be top five by the end of the year. No, nah, the, the Bengals are a good football team, and they're finally starting to figure it out a little bit. Hopefully you're off the fire Zach Taylor train, because I thought that was a little crazy in the first place. Uh, I'm not quite off of it. We no? still lost by 35 to the Cleveland Browns. So. Okay. <laughs> Seahawks, they're a very dominant football team. Kenneth Walker, the new addition at running back, he missed the first few weeks. I think he's been an absolute game changer for the Seahawks. I mean, he just gives them that different dimension that they didn't have to start the season. And Geno, I mean, I'm not writing him back. Got to give him a lot of props. I mean, he's using his weapons wisely, and he's he's getting dubs. He's 6-3 and three now, sitting at the top of that tough division, I would say, in the NFC West. Because I, I totally believe... 
outside of these regular season power rankings, these records and all that, the 49ers are a huge threat to them. So if they can continue to get wins and find a way to make the playoffs, that is all props in the world to not just Geno, but Pete Carroll as well because they've been absolutely tremendous. Yeah. The 49ers were on a bye week last week, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I think they're going to come back big. I really do. I mean, yeah, the second half of the year? Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, not talking about regular season power rankings, I think the 49ers are the second biggest threat in the NFC outside of the Eagles. I just think they're too dominant on both sides. Getting Christian McCaffrey, he's just he's one of the best weapons in all of football you could have. And the fact that he's three-dimensional in his ability to play running back, like he doesn't have a weakness, and then you add that to George Kittle and you add it to Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk with the game manager and Jimmy Garoppolo who's proven he can win games again and again and again. I mean, this team's a big-time threat, and I think this is a team that's good enough to beat anybody, honestly. I agree. The only thing I have about the 49ers is they just – I haven't seen them play a full game where they really put it all together yet. They obviously have the guys on offense and defense, but they're 4-4. Four and four. See, but it's crazy, though, because I feel like I could say that about any team in football outside of the Eagles. I agree. Right? I agree. Like, it's been a weird, it's been a weird year in all of sports, honestly, not just the NFL, college football, obviously, and the NBA's had a crazy twist these first few weeks. But, yeah, I don't think anyone's been dominant in every single game they've played in. Even in games teams have won, they haven't looked great. They haven't been playing their best. Like, I mean, for God's sakes, the Falcons were winning their division up until this past week. And But I don't know. They win football games. Um, they're under 500 now, but, I mean, credit to Marcus Mariota at some point. I want to twist the tide with our power rankings, and I brought it up before we started, but the five worst teams in the league. I think that's a very interesting debate because you look at all these teams, in my opinion, outside of the Texans and the Panthers, and it's like, all right, where do you go from there? Because the Lions have shown that they can win against a lot of teams because of their offense. The Panthers, they literally beat the Buccaneers just a couple weeks ago. The Bears and Justin Fields are just getting better and better. Just solely off Sunday? Like, well, all season. Well, all season, but like... Yeah, Sunday plays into an account. Yeah, I don't see another team losing to my Bengals as bad as the Panthers did. That was fucking <laughs> terrible. P.J. Walker had six passing yards at the half. Yeah. The Bengals had more points at the half than the Panthers did total yards at the half. Dude, Joe Mixon had four touchdowns alone. At five. Half. It was five? Oh, four at the half, five yeah. total. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to say, what? Their defense isn't good. Their offense isn't good. They're my worst team in the league. Okay. Texans only have one win, one tie. They're my second worst team in the league. Gets tough. I'm putting the Raiders as my third worst team in the league. That's fine. I'm putting the Lions as my fourth worst team in the league, and I'm putting the Steelers as my fifth worst team in the league. So, yeah, I like that completely. Like, I'd move it around a little bit, but I got – I think the Texans are the worst team in the league. I mean, I love Lovey Smith. He's a good coach, but, you know, he doesn't have the guys around him, and Damian Pierce isn't enough to win football games. And then the Panthers, you just said it. They absolutely suck. They had a big win over the, over the Buccaneers a few weeks ago, but you know what? Buccaneers haven't been playing their best. Uh, Panthers got the best of them. P.J. Walker was hot at the time. But you know what? This past week, P.J. Walker got benched after the first half, and they came right back down to earth. And I don't see any of them, with the no weapons they have, being able to win football games like that. D.J. Moore, he's not enough. I don't think he's 
able to provide without a good quarterback with uh, with them there. Yeah, and then I mean, at, they're, they're rocking with PJ Walker and Baker yeah, Mayfield. Yeah, like, it's not what you want. I I still think they need it's a lose lose. I still think they need to throw Sam Darnold in there, but that's another discussion for another day. Um, the third worst team in the league, I think I think it's the Las Vegas Raiders. I just think. They show time and time again, week in and week out, that they are absolutely garbage and that even when they are up two touchdowns, even three touchdowns, they don't know how to finish games. Their defense isn't good enough. They can't get stops against anybody. Derek Carr, I don't know what in the world is going on with Derek Carr because he has everything he possibly could need around him. And Josh Jacobs has been playing his best football in his entire career possibly, and yet they can't win games. And then after that, I got the Steelers. I just don't think they have anything around them. Uh, their rookie quarterback isn't good enough. And without, and the only reason I'm putting the Steelers in front of the Raiders right now is because I know they got TJ Watt ready, getting ready to come back. And I think he's one of the biggest uh, difference makers in all of football. So I think he's going to change their defense a little bit, help them compete a little more, possibly get them a few wins. Steelers are still right there. And then my fifth worst team in the league that's tough because, you know, I could say the Lions, I could say the Bears, I could say the Jags, shit, I could say the Broncos. It's the Green Bay Packers, in my opinion. I mean, I did, like I love Aaron Rodgers, and he's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play football. But what have we seen out of them to show that they're even a decent football team? Do you think the Packers are better? I think the, I think the Lions are better than the Packers. Do you think the Packers are better? You think the Saints are better than the Packers? I think the Saints are better than the Packers. With Andy Dalton? Doesn't matter. Okay. They've played they've been playing solid football. I mean, they have the same they record. Re- but I know. Having said that, Green Bay's lost like four in a yeah, row. They so. just, well, they just don't have anything flowing on their offense ever. Ever. No. Like we talk about we talk about one week okay, another week okay, but what week are we in now? We're about to be in week 10 of the NFL. And the Green Bay Packers have yet to have one solid performance of a game on the offensive end. And it's one that shocks me to say because it is Aaron Rodgers. But I don't know. That connection with his receivers just it's not working and it's gonna continue to not working. And their offensive line already is kind of a problem. I mean, their running game isn't enough. AJ Dillon doesn't look great, so it's kind of just the one guy in Aaron Jones. And then I mean I don't know what to say about their defense except, like, it's mid. It's mid, you know? It's not terrible, but it's not good. So where do they win their football games? They're not scoring points. Um, they give up points when they are scoring a few, you know? Like, it's just – it's a lose-lose in that fact. I mean, they don't, they don't look like they're having fun out there. No, Aaron Rodgers looks He upset, looks like he's in hell every upset single Upset for week. 60 minutes. I agree. Yeah, Packers are – they're hard to watch, man. They really are. They're hard to watch. It's been tough to see. I mean, I mean, what, hopefully – What game – did they just not have a first down in like a couple weeks ago? Oh, I remember that. <laughs> that was crazy. We were talking about that. They didn't have a first down. They didn't have <laughs> a single first down a few weeks ago. I, we got to try and find yeah. that. No, I actually like um, that Packers pick at your fifth worst. I mean, because you could say a lot of the teams there, but it's like I think the Lions have potential. The Bears are getting better and better each week. They compete in games. They got potential. Cardinals, they're good. I think they're a solid football team, honestly. Um, Jaguars, they've shown to win. I could easily put the Broncos in that. I'm not going to lie, but I'm not going to. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. The last thing that I want to point out before we leave the NFL segment, uh, it's that Frank Wright, head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, he's the next man gone. So much for the hot seat, he's out of there. And Jim Ursay, the man he goes and get, is former center Jeff Saturday, an ESPN analyst. It has drawn so much debate and controversy all around the country 
uh, within this hire. Um, ben, what do you think about this personally? I mean, because this is definitely unordinary, yeah. but maybe it's not the worst thing in the world for the Colts. I don't know if it's the worst thing. Because um, this guy knows his football. Yeah, I know he, he knows does. his football. Um, you know, he's snapping for Peyton Manning. You know, he knows his football, but he doesn't have any coaching experience. No, he Am doesn't. I right about that? You are. Yeah, he is. His coaching experience is he's coached in high school for a few years. That does not count. And even when, and even when he did coach in high school, he got Peyton Manning and some other boys to help him get plays, to run plays. Yeah, I mean, I because, could coach a high school you know, football as a, team. So. As a, I mean, as a center, you know, like you're not really, you don't need to do anything except you're snapping the ball and you're blocking. You got to know if it's a run block or a pass block. Yeah, That's about but it. At, do you remember that clip of Peyton Manning Yelling at yeah. Jeff Saturday, yeah. telling stop calling the plays. Yeah. Like he That is interesting. He knows what he's it's doing. Interesting I think he knows up. what he's doing. I think that it'll be very interesting. I think he's going to want to feed JT finally. He needs to be getting thirty touches a game. He needs to get hundred percent. Yeah, he does. He has been banged up all year. But I think his Not number one as as a former center, I think he's going to want to see a lot of good run blocking and just well, a run first team because Matt Ryan sucks. He got benched. They're past him. Yeah, he got benched. Sam Ellinger's their guy. The rookie. so they're definitely relying on that run game heavy with a rookie quarterback. And I just feel bad because you know, like he even said in his press conference, like he was surprised that he was even a candidate for that job. But you know, that's who the guy wanted. They have a great connection, and he knows him very well. It's understandable. And something that I don't like is, you know, like the first thing that a lot of people like talking about is, oh, he's white. He's not African-American. Whatever, dude. I, I think that's a whatever debate, too. Like, come on. You can say that about anything, anyone, anytime. But Jeff Saturday say, has could... the connections within the organization. We all know just how smart Jeff Saturday is. Let's forget about that. Yeah. But you got to think, like, he's going into a situation – to where you have a struggling team on the defense and the offensive side. You have a very young quarterback who doesn't have a lot of playing experience. You have a running back that was coming off being the best running back in the league last year, but now he's a little banged up. And Even the offensive he- line isn't looking great. There's just not a whole lot of promise for this Colts team. I just don't see any chance that he can even be successful. I actually agree for this year. I mean, for I feel, this year. I feel bad for him, honestly. And the Colts did nothing with the trade deadline, right? No, no nothing at all. Yeah, they got no one. But, I mean, no, neither did the Packers. And I mean, I think they know. I think too. I might put the Colts at my fifth worst team, if I'm being honest. That and That's very fair. That's the very Colts debatable. Are pretty bad. It's very debatable. I forgot about them. I, I mean, I saw them there. They're not a good football team. Dude, because we, we could say all these teams, the Colts aren't good, the Commanders aren't good, the Broncos aren't good, the Jags aren't good. But the Colts are, like, really bad. They are bad. <laughs> They're I mean, really they got, bad. They got fucked this past week yeah. by the New England Patriots, and, I mean, that's where the Patriots just have their number. I mean, they got Bill Belichick, and, you know, they've had their squad for a couple years now. Um, but let's move past this pro stuff, because there's a whole lot to still shake itself out. I'm saying this. I still got the Bills winning it all. Um I know they're six and two and they just lost to the Jets. And a big thing is Josh Allen did get a little banged up. He banged up his elbow, but there's a whole season. Even if he misses one week, I'm not worried about it. I think he'll be fine. I just think they have too many weapons on the offense and defensive side to not get it done this year. I think they're due, and I'm gonna continue to say that. I agree. I I still don't think I've seen an Eagles play like a good football team this year. Yeah. Well, 
Who? I mean, no, you're right. Who's their best win? Uh, they did. They actually beat the Vikings. The Vikings. They handed the Vikings their one only loss. Okay. So you got to give them credit there. Yeah, that's a good but, win. But nah, but they're they they've had an easy schedule all season. It's not going to change. I mean, I, looking I, at looking at their next games, you want to hear you want to hear their next month. It's easy. They're home against Washington. They're on the road in Indianapolis. They're home against Green Bay, and then they're home against Tennessee. And I I think a schedule like that is they're obviously going to be. I think they're going to get the bye week in the NFC. I think that's obvious, but. Yeah. It's going to come back to bite them in the ass in the playoffs when they start playing some. I mean, I good agree, but teams. it's not like that's something that they can like. It's like it's not, the college football thing, that. you yeah, know. They can't control their like schedule. they should be beating all these teams. I believe they will get upset once or twice before the playoffs happen because I mean, just going into the playoffs undefeated, I don't care what who you're playing, it's just so hard to do. It's so rare, and I mean, they are they're still playing the Cowboys. They got a game against the Saints. They're playing the Giants twice. They're playing a heating up Bears team on the road later this season. I mean, there's some opportunities for some upsets to be made, but I still think the Eagles are. I mean, they're the top dog in the NFC with I mean, I put you know teams one. like the Vikings, the Cowboys, the 49ers all behind them, looking to threat and you know knock them off. Let's move into professional basketball now in the National Basketball Association. Um, so things have been ramping up now. A lot of unexpected throughout this season. The first one that I want to talk about, honestly, it's the Utah Jazz. I mean, because everyone thought, you know, they traded all their star players away, bringing it, well, they brought in Danny Ainge at the GM spot. They traded all their uh, top players away. They got a bunch of picks to get ready for the future. All right, they're going to tank. But one thing that I wish I talked about a little more going into the season is they do, they did hire Will Hardy. And if I do know one thing about Will Hardy, it's that he's a fucking winner. And he's showing it early on this season. I mean, Nine and three record. They're the one team in the West. Um, they're a pretty interesting basketball team when you look at it because they got Mike Conley, they got Jordan Clarkson, they have Laurie Markinen, and then I mean I'm a I'm a Kelly Olynyk fan. So I mean him at the five spot. It's not the best thing, but it's not the worst thing in the world. And then they got Colin Sexton, um, Tht coming off the bench bench they got a rookie in walker kessler who's a pretty pretty impressive basketball player from my eyes but the utah jazz i think that they will, will hardy's done a great job at putting so it, none of those guys are like the best no one's their, special yeah but he's done a great job at putting them in situations where they are good if that makes sense. It does make sense because it seems like they're playing the right type of basketball. Yeah. I feel like nowadays it's hard to see in the NBA like an actual offense like getting set up and like I wouldn't say plays being made, but players moving, you know, like everything functioning around the one man with the basketball, you know, it seems natural. And it seems like no one on this team is like they want it for themselves. Like no one's saying on this team, I'm the best player, put the ball in my hands. It seems like they let their point guards run the offense and they get it in the hands of the player with the best matchup at the time of the game. Cause I mean, I mean, Lori Markin and he's taking advantage of where he's at right now. I mean, in only 33 and a half minutes played per game, he's averaging 22 points and nine rebounds a game. I mean, that's what you want to see from a guy like that. And then it's just consistency without their lineup. I mean, Jordan Clarkson averages 18. Mike Conley averages 12. Kelly Olynyk averages 12. Colin Sexton, a incredible sixth man for them. Um, he averages 14 and a half. So they, I mean, while no, they don't have a superstar. 
when you look at the numbers and you look at the guys they have, it doesn't surprise me that they're able to pull out and win games because of the type of vets that they have on that roster. But all the props in the world for me goes out to Will Hardy. I mean, what is it, two weeks, two and a half weeks into his coach head coaching career and he's doing this? I mean, it's impressive. Yeah. But they're playing a very like traditional, I guess. They're playing very traditional. Just fundamental. Because um, they like, everyone on their basketball. team everyone on their team can shoot the basketball outside of the LA Lakers, you know. So I mean, they play the right way and they're finding ways to get wins and it's impressive. It is impressive. I mean, they do it against bad teams, and they've been doing it against good teams. So I'm very intrigued to see where they go from here on out. But, yeah, I'm not a Utah Jazz fan, but, I mean, they've been taking they've been taking our boys from Boston, and they're trying to create their own culture over there. And with just 12 games in the season, they're showing it from the start already. Another thing that I want to talk about, um, it's the Phoenix Suns. And me, personally, I wasn't super high on the Phoenix Suns coming into this season. I just thought, you know – they're getting older. They've been doing what they've been doing for a few years now. Can they keep doing it? And they've been doing it, and they've been doing it handily so far this season. But a big loss that just happened was Cam Johnson, a meniscus injury. He's going to be out for one to two months now. That moves in Torrey Craig into that starting power forward role with Jay Crowder already being out and possibly being on the move later this season. Um what do we think of the Phoenix Suns in this tough Western Conference? Because, I mean, Devin Booker, he's just an absolute animal. But losing Cam Johnson, I think that's a big loss for them. Yeah, no, Cam Johnson's a huge loss. He has a strap on him, man. Yeah, he, he does. Can, yeah. Straight burner. They're, they miss, they're missing a big shooter now. I'm not really on the Suns wave, though. No? Because, you know, they finished first in the West last year. They, they always have a great regular season, and then they choke in the playoffs. Yeah. And I think it's going to be the same story again today. They'll, they'll probably finish first in the West, and then they'll choke in the playoffs. I don't see them winning anything. With See, I don't know. I, I think they're a fantastic ball club. I think they're exactly the type of team that you do want when you want to compete for championships. But Chris Paul is getting older. Um, he's still – it's amazing having a guy with that type of IQ on the floor at all times because he's, he's doing anything he can to help that team out. When they won that game the other night – he only had two points. He only took one shot. Like, that's the type of basketball that Chris Paul is playing now. But, I mean, I, th- I really think – I think I thought they were going to be a top two, top three team in this conference, and I think they got the roster for it. Um, you know, obviously with DeAndre Ayton at the middle. Um, but, you know, with their starting power forward slot now, like, it's Torrey Craig. Like, you can say whatever you want about Torrey Craig. I, th- He's just another role player, you know. no Nothing special to his game. Yeah. And they have to find a way to adjust to that because now they got some young guys coming off the bench who aren't really what you normally want putting in a basketball game. Granted, it's just a regular season, so you can quirk out lineups, you know, testing, see how they go, see how players feel. If Devin Booker can carry the load and find ways to get them with a great record by the end of the season, that'll be very impressed. But, you know, with teams like the Grizzlies, um, like the Mavericks, uh, like the Nuggets, you know, there's going to be a lot of competing in the West. But what's crazy is that we're talking about this Western Conference. The Jazz, they're one right now. The uh, the Trailblazers, they're three in the conference right now, sitting at 7-3. And then you got teams around that lottery line, the L.A. Clippers. They haven't basically had Kawhi all season. They're sitting at 6-5. and five. The Golden State Warriors, the defending champs, they're sitting at 4-7, and seven, the 12th seed in the Western Conference right now. I'm actually going to hit a pause, and we're going to talk about the Warriors for a minute. Is what's going on with the Warriors right now, is it a fluke? Um, are they? Is it just, you know, 
backlash that's, you know, fallen out from this uh, Jordan Poole Draymond drama early before the season started? Is it there? They lost some key role players with Gary Payton and a couple other guys, and they're trying to replace it with these young guys, and it's just not working out? I, I don't know, but they are not winning games. Yeah, they're not. They're not winning games, and they're not. They won, I think it was last night or two nights ago. Steph had 47 or 37 points and hit the game-winning shot. That's going to happen, but you can't put it all on Steph Curry anymore. I don't – he's uh, obviously still amazing. I still think he's the best point guard in the league. Yeah. But I don't think he's a guy that you can just expect to carry you to okay, an NBA but championship. I, I understand that. I mean, he – him and Andrew Wiggins, it was in the in the finals against the Celtics. It was him, Andrew Wiggins, and Jordan Poole that were the X factors. They were the complete difference makers. Um, they all had the hot hand at the same time. And when something like that's going on, they're hard to beat. But you know, right now, Steph Curry is averaging Steph Curry is averaging thirty two and a half, seven rebounds, and seven assists this season. He's absolutely doing him, playing some of his best basketball of his career as he's hitting that. that 30 mark I mean he's past that 30 mark now but you know he's just getting older and older but he's getting better and better but then you look at the rest of this team I mean Andrew Wiggins plays the second most minutes on the team he averages 18 he can't be the problem he shoots 48 percent Jordan Poole he averages 15 a game shoots 40 percent as well as five assists as he could be playing a little better I wouldn't say he's the problem Clay Thompson we know he's not the same man he is it's going to take him all season to get back to if he can get back to what he was in his prime years, he's averaging 15. But then you got guys like Draymond Green, James Wiseman, Kevon Looney, Moses Moody, Ty Jerome, Dante DiVincenzo, Jonathan Kaminga. Like, they have a lot of guys on this roster. You know, you look at it, and it just doesn't make sense that they're not able to win ballgames, but they're not. They're losing to the Magic. They're losing to the Miami Heat. They're losing to the struggling Pelicans right now. Could it be that... James Wiseman, I'm focusing on him for a little bit because everybody was anticipating his comeback as, you know, the Warriors have never had a good center, you yeah. know? So people were thinking of James Wiseman as this guy, and maybe he's not. I mean, he's only playing 13 minutes a game. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Kevon Looney plays 23, James Wiseman gets 13. I mean, I, I, think, I think that's wild, but that's not really my focus point in that. I think more of my focus point is that they need more out of their out of these guys, you know, out of Dante DiVincenzo, out of, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but Jordan Poole's got to play. He's got to play a little better, a little more consistent. Jonathan Kaminga, he's got he's not getting the minutes that we thought he was going to get. I think that's on him, honestly. He's got to pick up his game. Um, I mean, he's only averaging five points a game. Like that's not what you need out of a guy like that. And you know. They have a rookie in Patrick Baldwin Jr. They haven't really used him yet this season. Um, they have a nice guard in Ty Jerome. They have Moses Moody. They have Draymond Green. Like, is this going to continue to go for the Warriors? Was that was that championship just the one thing, or because going into the season, I thought the Warriors were a potential back to back threat. Yeah, I you thought. know, because they have they have basically the same roster outside of Gary Payton and another another small loss for them, but it wasn't even that instrumental. No or detrimental. No, yeah, those are just role guys. You, I think that by the end of the year, they're gonna get their chemistry back a little bit, and they'll be they'll make the playoffs, and they're gonna be a threat just because they have Steph Curry, they have Jordan Poole, they just they have, have Andrew they Wiggins. Have, yeah, they have Andrew Wiggins. They just have playmakers, and I think that they're gonna start stepping up a little more. Is Jordan Poole still coming off the bench? 
Jordan Sto- Jordan Poole, I believe he comes off the bench. He needs to start because they the start uh, they start Steph Clay, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney. But I mean, who are you sending to the bench? Clay. You're sending Clay to the bench. Jordan Poole is so much better than Clay right now. I agree that he's better than Clay Thompson, but it's just like I mean, if that's his role as six man and he likes it and he obviously does well coming off the bench. I don't mind that take, honestly. Moving Clay Thompson to the bench. He's at that time of in he his is. career, you know. He's not he's not I don't bringing mind any fire to the team, you know. Jordan yeah. Poole is making fans get up out of their seats and doing yeah. and on like Yeah. Clay Thompson's not doing that anymore. He's not scoring 44 points in a game without yeah. taking a dribble anymore. It's just not happening. I mean, I'm interested to see what this next game is. I mean, they got some pretty easy matchups. Transitioning over to the Eastern Conference, I mean, you see these top teams that they have and yes, we have a few teams that are struggling, as in the Philly 76ers, the Brooklyn Nets, the Miami Heat. But, I mean, the Bucks they're dominating. The Cavs, they're showing their worth. They're dominating. The Celtics, they're doing what they always do. And they've been getting wins, you know, night in, night out. Um, against good teams, too. Um, the Raptors, they're doing what they do. The Bulls. But then, you know, it hits that gap in the East to where it's okay. The Pacers, the Knicks, the Wizards, teams that... They don't really. They shouldn't really be there. But the Atlanta Hawks. I want to focus on them for a hot minute. They. I mean, them with Dejounte Murray, the new addition. They've been absolutely thriving um, as a team with him. Um, with the Trey Young and Dejounte Murray backcourt, I believe that's one of the best backcourts in all of basketball right now. And they've been showing to do it on the offensive and defensive end. And the role players are thriving with both of them because they're both playmakers. It takes. And they're both scorers as well. So I'm impressed with the get for them. I feel like the Hawks are successful with that backcourt is because teams put so much focus on defending those two guys and it leaves a lot of space for, you know. Uh, DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, just guys like that that just make shots and play good defense. And yeah, that team's going to be good this year and they're going to be a threat. I mean, listen to their backcourt splits right now. Trey Young's out here averaging 28, 9, and two and a half. And then DeJounte Murray, uh, an all-star in my eyes, he's averaging 22, 8, and six and a half. So, I mean, they're just getting started with those two guys, honestly, because DeAndre Hunter gets his. He averages 14 and a half. The one thing that worries me about the Hawks and why I don't think they'll be able to be a huge threat in the East come playoff time, it's because of their bench. I mean, granted, yeah, they, they, have no depth. they have not had Bogdan Bogdanovich all season, and I'm a big fan of him. So when he comes back, that's a huge six-man for them because he's going to come off the bench because you're keeping Hunter in there, you're keeping John Collins in there, and then Clint Capella's your starting center. But then on the bench, they're going to have Bogdan Bogdanovich, Onyeko Okonwu, and that is it. I mean, they got Justin Holiday, they got Aaron Holiday, they got James Johnson. But how good are those guys? Like, are they really role players? They're not They're good. not guys that you really want in the rotation. And... But those are guys that are going to have to get some minutes because you can't play seven. Can you play seven guys in a playoff? In a playoff series? No, you, you no, can't do it. No. You need at least eight, maybe nine guys, in my opinion. I agree. I mean, yeah, you can overload Trey and DeJounte and company, but what's that going to do? Because if you're in a tough series, which you're most likely going to be in the Eastern Conference yeah. with whoever you're playing, that's why I don't think they get over the top. They're going to need another bench guy or two. They're going to need to find some money for some guy. I'm very curious to see how that turns out. But then the Nets. Let's go to the Nets. Kyrie, he's on a leave of absence, currently suspended because of his uh, anti-Semitic comments that he's been saying over the past week or so. Um, 
they fired Steve Nash at head coach. We thought Ime Adoka was going to be the next man getting hired on this team, but it turns out some more controversy going around in Brooklyn. Instead, they're leaning to their assistant, Jacques Vaughn. He's going to be their next head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. And when I first saw it, I didn't see any, I have it here, but I didn't see any interim tag on his name. So I'm very curious to see if they come out, you know, some specifications of what this role is for uh, Coach Vaughn and the Nets. But, you know, the Nets, they're sitting at 4-7. and seven. They don't look great. They don't really have a lot to go to outside of Kevin Durant. You know, are their problems fixable? Are they still a playoff team? Because, you know, our boy house member Dylan Curran, he had the Nets in the championship this season when, with our early season predictions. That was absolutely that was a, that was ballistic in that my That was eyes. a crazy take. I mean, that's just one where, okay, he's looking at KD, Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, and he's like, too much talent. They got to get it done, right? But you got to look at the eye test. You got to actually watch the games and see, you know, see the chemistry, see where it fits. And the Nets just have so many weak points. I mean, their defense is already a problem within itself. But then you have, you know, you look at their roster and it's like, where do they get their offensive points from outside of Kevin Durant? I mean, Kyrie Irving's suspended right now, so I'll take him out of the equation because we don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie. Some people don't think he's going to play with them again. It's really? pretty. Yeah, it's pretty I, – I personally think he comes back. Like, you can't not bring a guy like that with that caliber back. But, you know, there's so much controversy going around the Nets now with Josai wanting uh, Ime Udoka. But, you know, the league and the organization, they didn't really approve of it because it's just more controversy. Nick Claxton is their second highest scorer on the team right now if you take Kyrie Irving out of that. And then it's Royce O'Neal, and then it's Cam Thomas, and then it's Joe Harris, and then it's Patty Mills. Ben Simmons is how far down this list? Do I have to count? The I have to count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He's the 10th highest scorer on this basketball team. right? That's a joke. That is a joke. That's a liability if I've ever seen one. And I'm, I, I don't know how much money that man's getting paid, but it's way too much. It is way too it's much. It's a lot of money. It is way too much money for this guy to be averaging five points, six rebounds, and six assists. Granted, he's doing a little bit of everything. Give him his props. He he's is playing, nothing. He's playing he like Draymond, nothing. and Draymond is he is nothing 10 what years they, older, eight years older than him. He is nothing what they traded James Harden away for him to be. And it's, you know, it's going to be a problem all season. I honestly, as much as... I hate, you know, I'm so back and forth with IMA, but I'm always going to be a fan of him. I have to be. I'm not, I don't agree with uh, what he did within our organization, but I'm glad he didn't get, I'm glad he didn't get this head coaching job because it's a job that is set up for failure, just like Jeff Saturday on the Colts. Like there's just nowhere to go with this team. Kevin Durant's got to find a way to put him on their back and, you know, turn this team around because it all starts on the defensive end and they have none. And, but, you know, I personally believe to get offense, you got to do it starting with defense because then that creates transition outlet outlets, leaks, and so forth. It creates the offense, but they have none, so it's just KD constantly again and again and again. They're a problem. I'm very curious to, uh, what to see from them the rest of the season if they can pick it up. I personally, the Sixers are down there with them. I think they'll pick it up. It's way too early in the year. The Heat, they're right down there with them. I think they pick it up. They got a tremendous coach, tremendous team. They'll be fine. But the Nets, um I'm a little I'm I'm worried about the Nets. And you've seen KD in the past carry teams on his back, but those teams have had 
good players on it, like yeah. good role players. And the Nets just – They don't have any of it. No, they have Katie and Kyrie, and then I – I'm sorry, but, like, Ben Simmons is an eighth man, seventh man. He should be coming off the bench. He might have come off the bench the last game on Monday. He needs but. to be if he's not because he's – he does nothing for him on offense, and he – He's an okay defender. He doesn't look like he tries very hard anymore. None of them look like they care. No. That's the problem with the Nets. They don't. They don't. They don't look like they're having fun out there. Like, I agree. You know. Oh, I agree. And I agree. I, I don't I, think it gets fixed. Honestly. I, yeah, I don't either. I, I think I think they're going to be a team that's fighting for the playing spot. And even if they do get in the playing spot, I don't. You know, what if they play the Bulls? I don't think they beat them. They play the Raptors. I right now, I don't think they beat them. They don't look good enough. I don't think they're going to get in. Kevin Durant alone, he's not the t- as as much as we argue and can agree with that he's probably one of the best scorers of all time. He's definitely, I think he's top three up there. He's not the type of guy anymore. He's not at that young age to where he can win it on his own, and he's never even shown to be able to win on his own. He's had a superstar on on his squad his entire career. Two superstars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now you know. So we'll see how the Nets turn out. The, la- the last thing that I want to talk about before we, um, you know, round out this podcast, and, you know, it's not my favorite topic in the world, but it's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, they've been looking absolutely fantastic this season with the new addition of Donovan Mitchell. Um, they're sitting at the two spot in the East right now at 8-2. and two. Donovan Mitchell's averaging 31 points a game, six assists, four rebounds. They just got Darius Garland back from an eye injury. He's averaging... Uh, just under 20 points a game, as well as eight and a half assists. Um, this is a team that does have the depth. They have the big men. They have the guard play. They have the depth on the bench. Um, how big of a threat are the Cavs in this Eastern Conference? What do you think? I need to see the season play out a little more. Yeah. Obviously, right now, the Cavs are playing as one of the best teams in the NBA. I mean, they were number two in ESPN's power rankings. They have a lot of versatility with, uh, you know, Darius. He doesn't miss. Outside the arc. We were at that Cavs Celtics game and he hit three in a row and the last one was a fade away from the corner and it was just he he looked incredible in that first game back. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell will not be stopped at the rim. You know, He's Evan Mo- Evan Mobley had I know they lost last night, but Evan Mobley had twenty six. He's he's coming around on offense more. Jared Allen is your rim protector, rebounder. Yep. He averages twelve a game yeah. right now on the on the glass. And uh you know, they have guys like Jetty Osman who's works his ass off. He plays great night in and night out. Yeah. Tries on defense. And that's one of those teams where I look at them and it's just like they're enjoying playing basketball together and they have that chemistry and they're I, it seems like they're a very tight knit group and I think it's gonna I don't know if they're gonna continue to dominate in this fashion the rest of the season, but I think they will finish top four in the East, top three in the East. Yeah. I agree with you in that. I agree with you in a lot of aspects. I think there's a whole lot that needs to be played out. We got to see him play an entire season. Um, but when we look at this Cavs team this first few weeks, you know, with the new addition of Donovan Mitchell, one, he's coming into his own. He's playing his best ball he has in his career. He's thriving with the guys he has around him. But two, the Cavs, they don't really, I hate to say this, they don't really have a weak point um, within their team. Um, Because they have two dominant bigs, both with big size, that are huge rim protectors, rebound getters, and are still able to contribute on the offensive end. You have your fantastic backcourt with Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland. It's tough to go up against night in and night out. And then, you know, with their role players such as Karis LeVert, 
Kevin Love, Jetty Osmond, Dean Wade. He's been solid shooting the rock so far. I mean, they, they go deep. It looks like they can go eight deep at least. And, you know, when it comes to playoff time, that's the type of rotation you want. But they have the ability to do everything you can ask of them. They have the ability to be good on the defensive end. They have the ability to score not just in the paint but on the three-point line. And, you know, they play as a team. They play with unity. And I think, I think bringing Donovan Mitchell there was probably the best thing that they could have done because he fits right with their MO and what they've been wanting to do. Um, I think we could agree that right now the Bucks are far and away the best team in that conference right now. I mean, they have the best player in the world in Giannis Antetokounmpo, and they have the role players around them to where it doesn't matter. If they play their game, they're going to win basketball games because they have Giannis. And then with the Celtics, yes, two of the three losses of the season for the Celtics are to the Cleveland Cavaliers, but... I'm going to I'm going to say it and I'm going to keep saying it until we get him back because he is that big of a key piece for us. Once we get Robert Williams back, I think we're a completely different ball club and he brings us to that next level of performance, which is the reason why I think we were able to get to the finals last year. So I don't know, I'm going to hold off on that. But you got you guys got to the finals without Rob Williams. He was right? playing. He, he was, was not he wasn't healthy, he was but he was playing. Limited. I mean, you can you can say limited if you want. He was playing he as wasn't, much as he, he could. wasn't he wasn't <laughs> playing for yeah, he was playing yeah. as much as he could. What he can do, he was just giving it to us that he but you know, if we're able to get a healthy Robert Williams back, because we had him do another uh the same surgery that he got on his knee uh back la- during last season, but he's that big of an X factor for us. And I really think once we get him back, the Celtics are good enough to not just win the conference, but win the whole thing because there's no one dominating in the Western Conference right now. I mean, there's these few teams, but, you know, the Suns, the Jazz, the Blazers, even the Mavericks, even the Grizzlies. I think we got all their numbers. I think the Cavs do too. I think the Bucks do as well. I think all these top teams, they're all from the Eastern Conference right now, and the East is showing that they are the powerhouse in the NBA, and it's just the beginning of it. I mean, there's a long season to go. Yeah, but. I, th- I think that unless the Warriors turn it around, the NBA champion will be from the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and I'm pretty com- I'm pretty confident in that. I'm pre- I, I agree with you in that aspect because I love the Grizzlies. I think they can compete for a championship. They got a hell of a squad around John Morant. I mean, fantastic player. I've always been a fan of the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic and his ability and what he's capable of doing. I wouldn't be shocked if they made some noise in the West come uh, come the springtime. But then outside of that, you know, Pelicans don't look promising. Clippers don't look promising. I mean, the Nuggets, they're a solid basketball team, but I just don't know if I've never been a fan of a team's best player being their center. And, you know, that's what that's what the Nuggets are. And if Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. can't take that next step, I'm keeping them out of it. But, yeah, we'll see. A lot of basketball left to be played in the NBA um, this season. Um, the last thing that I want to talk about before we uh, get off this uh, streaming podcast, it's the MLB, and it's, you know, sadly, the Houston Astros won the World Series. Um, they won it in six games. They were able to win it on their home turf, and it came from uh, the bat of Jordan Alvarez. Um, props to that guy in game six in the eighth inning. He was, or excuse me, in the, in the bottom of the sixth inning in game six, he was able to hit a three-run home run to give him the lead and eventually help them secure the World Series title. But where the uh, MVP went in honors for the World Series, that was, uh, that was to rookie shortstop uh, 
Jeremy Pena, a 25-year-old rookie from Maine College who was born in the Dominican Republic. Listen to this guy's track record after one year in professional baseball. A 2022 Golden Glove winner, a 2022 ALCS MVP, and now a 2022 World Series MVP. I mean, this guy... That's anything That's anything and more you can ask of for a professional career from this guy. I mean, he was batting 400 in the World Series, a 1.023 OPS, and he, led, and he led all hitters on his team with a pretty dominant team, uh, just so to speak, with 10 hits and 15 total bases. Um, Jeremy Pena also hit the a dominant, smacking go-ahead home run off Philly's Noah Syndergaard during their crucial Game 5 win uh, back in Philly in a 3-2 fashion. So now we're past that now. The Houston Astros are champions. They're able to get past the Phillies. But, you know, something that I learned in class that actually got me to learning this was that the Houston Astros did all of this with, you know, some of their best players making less than a million dollars a year. They did it with their with their god squad of a team, only the ninth highest salary in the MLB this season. That's absolutely crazy. Four of their five leaders in innings pitched were international free agents Christian Javier, Jose Urquidy, Framber Valdez, and Luis Garcia. And those four pitchers, all dominant in the playoffs, right? They combined for a total of $140,000 in signing bonuses in total. $140,000, I say that, you're like, shit, that's a lot. No, that's crazy. In professional sports, yeah. that is next to nothing. That is next to nothing. And the fact that they had dominant players in the World Series getting this to them, I mean, they got they got paydays on paydays coming for this team that they're going to have to dish out in these next few years. But, I mean, outside of that, ooh, more guys I just see right here that are making under a million dollars. Kyle Tucker, another key player for them. He was making under a million dollars. As well as uh, um, Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez probably the best player on their team throughout that playoff run makes less than a million dollars. So they got a lot to do um, with their uh, management and with their players who they need to re-sign. Um, but at the end of the day, it was an impressive run for them. They dominated from start to finish in each series. That series with the Phillies was one for the ages. I loved every single second of it. But, you know, they had the better team at the end of the day and their uh, young players were able to pull through um, and props to Jeremy Pena. And I'm excited to see the rest of his career play out. I mean, it was, I hated to see the Phillies go down like they did in six games. Uh, Mattress Mac called it. He had the Astros in six. He was never phased one bit. He was on, he was on the celebration boat with them, going down the city, enjoying his victory of all his winnings. Um, what was it? 75, $75 million. I mean, that's one they're never going to forget. I mean, yeah. you never know. We, what were you going to say? I was going to say, you never know. We could see in the next coming months another cheating scandal come out for this uh, victorious Astros, but I don't think that's the case. I think they won it fair and square this time, and you got to give them their props. Yeah, uh, told you so. <laughs> Astros, hey, baby. Hey, Astros, hey. baby. I wouldn't, say I, I wouldn't say I told you so. <laughs> I, w I was on the boat with you. You were. I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be. You but, didn't, but you were, you were. But I was. I thought they were going to get it done. I thought they were the better team, and they had the better uh, – pitching staff and you know what they did and they got it done yeah till next year for the mlb um we'll see you in the springtime and after that that's gonna do it for us on this podcast this was podcast eight for us already can't even believe it we are two months into lance's house of sports podcast it has been a tremendous road 
Ben, thank you so much for coming on. You're my you're my wingman on this. I mean, we we rock out week in and week out. Uh, we're hoping to get some more men to join us for some more controversy topics to talk about, but that's all in the future. A whole lot more to pan out for this uh, for this uh, podcast team. But this is Lance's House of Sports. I'm Lance Wyatt, and I'll see you guys next week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. 